Hi, SD Besties, and welcome back to another episode of the Sounds Like Spa podcast. I am your host, Maggie Walker, Associate Managing Editor of Skin Inc., and I am super jazzed because today I've got a super special guest with me. I have Jan Marini from Jan Marini Skin and Research, you said? Jan Marini Skin Research. Jan Marini Skin and Research, but I'm going to let you kind of introduce yourself to the audience, let them get a little vibe for who you are. Thank you. Gosh, it's such a pleasure to be here and have this opportunity to chat with everybody. I have been a product researcher for well over 40 years. And back in the early days, my expertise is really in the area of ingredients. You know, Maggie, when somebody holds up a skincare product and you look at the ingredient list and it's very mysterious and complex. And how do you know if it's really going to make your acne better or worse, or it's going to help your hyperpigmentation or your aging? And I did a lot of lecturing to physicians and medical professionals and skincare professionals and a lot of radio and television. People, you know, love to hear about ingredients and technology on talk shows. Uh, but as time went on, I began to develop associations with physicians and researchers literally all over the world. And I really started to focus on identifying and uncovering breakthrough technologies. Now, I'm going to qualify the term breakthrough because anytime something comes to market, they call it a breakthrough. And nobody ever walks in and says, we have the second best product. So when I say breakthrough, I'm really talking about things that were not in the marketplace. Now, as an example, glycolic acid. I'm going to take you back to the early to mid-80s because I, I was an early glycolic acid researcher. It didn't exist. You couldn't walk into a department store or drugstore. You could get it for cleaning stains off your driveway. And um, around 1989, going into 1990, I financed and bought to market two product lines. A lot of people will remember, I'm going back a lot of years, but MD Formulations and MD Forte. And it was really unique for a number of reasons, because first, it was really the first glycolic acid line. And secondly, I made a decision I was going to market it through physician offices. You know what? Physicians were not dispensing product. It did not exist. This is my fourth business, Jamarini Skin Research. And that third business, that was the most difficult time in my career because I was a pariah. I mean, doctors were just horrified at the idea that somebody would say, as they said, sells cosmetics out of their office. Now, of course, that's history. Everybody does it. But at the time, it was it was very difficult. And that company was another first because Jamarini's, uh, or excuse me, MD Formulations of Me Forte, it was the first time a pharmaceutical company purchased a company in the professional space. That company was sold to Allergan in 1994. So July 1st, 1994, took down the MD formulation sign, put up the Jamarini Skin Research sign. We just celebrated our 29th anniversary. So we're in our 30th year. And you know, really, I wanted to, um, you know, establish Jamarini Skin Research to really move forward in a lot of areas of technology uh, besides glycolic acid and just take the industry to another level. And anyway, well, here we are today. Um, so today for the podcast episode, we are actually going to jump into kind of busting some skincare myths and specifically we're going to tackle it, you know, with spa professionals, I'm sure you guys have heard a ton of these myths or you've had to debunk them with your clients. So we're not only going to tackle ones that personally intrigued me a lot, but we're also going to tackle them in a sense of like, how can you help? when it comes to clients believing these or you've noticed clients practicing these kind of skincare myths. Um, 
So yeah, some a little scarier than others. We're going to start pretty tame. We're going to, you know, just jump into it, but we're going to start pretty tame with the first myth. And this is something we've actually talked about on our podcast quite a bit. Uh, So the first myth we're discussing is skin cycling. And we're kind of just going to dive into like, is it legitimate or not? Now, I know we've talked about this one on the podcast pretty extensively. More on the trend aspect, though. So I'm really excited for you to kind of dive deeper into it. Sure. And I'm going to preface this by saying, you know, there have always been skincare myths. There always will be. But the differentiating factor is social media is a driving force. And what it does is it creates an almost instant global perspective. But with that said, um, skin cycling. Now, this actually started with a physician, Whitney Bow, MD. And the idea was that she came up with a four-day routine, and this was designed to address acclimation issues or reactions from products. Maybe she thought the products were too strong or the patients were not reacting appropriately or whatever. Now, this could be, you know, with all this, there's sometimes there's some truth and there's some falsehood, but it could be, you know, appropriate maybe for the short term for some people that they're being put on maybe a doctor says, you have to use a topical antibiotic, you need to use a retinoid, you need to use some other kinds of things that can be sometimes strong. But it is not appropriate in the long run. And the reason why is that by discontinuing certain products, even for one night, you can immediately worsen a skin condition. Now, for example, benzoyl peroxide. So benzoyl peroxide, acne, which is an epidemic today by women in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. And it's something that, you know, you commonly, most females deal with. It starts in the follicle. It doesn't drop out of the sky and attach itself to your skin. It starts inside the follicle. If you had perfect skin and you threw dirt on your face all day, you wouldn't break out. So there's all these factors that go into acne in the follicle. So we have to introduce something into the follicle that actually prevents these factors from creating all of these conditions that end up with acne. And you have to do this proactively if you miss one night. I'm a two-time Accutane failure. Now, guys, you can't see my skin, but if you could, Maggie, you can see my skin. I never break out. My skin is always flawless. But if I didn't do what I do every single night, I guarantee you it might take a couple of days, but I would be breaking out. So you have to treat these factors proactively. And if you miss one night, you're going to break out. Now, if you're cycling and you're saying, well, I'm going to do this every fourth night, you're not going to manage your acne and get complete total clearing. There's no cure, but you can get complete total clearing. The nights that you're not doing things for aging skin, you're aging. The nights that you're not doing things for your hyperpigmentation, then you're going to be, your skin's going to be much more vulnerable to UV light and the other factors that cause this to flare up. And you know, there are people that go outside for five minutes and they hyperpigment because of their ethnicity and their genetics. So what the best thing that I recommend is you get on a program that addresses your specific issues. And with our products, for example, when we put people on a program, literally there's virtually no acclimation. I mean, it's very little. So what, by the time you're on the full program, you're acclimated and you're able to use everything consistently to be able to address these concerns. That's so interesting because I feel like a lot of the times when 
industry professionals have really dissected skin cycling. A lot of the time, the term I'm hearing that comes up is like, this isn't really anything new. You know, I don't know why it's like a trend. I feel like this is a thing that a lot of people do is they just get a regimen that works for them and da da da. But so I feel like it's really interesting to hear your take, especially just in the in the the concept of if with the days you're not working on anti-aging, you're eating. The days you're not working on your acne. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I thought that was a really interesting take just because everything with skin cycling does seem really tame, which is why I was so interested in this one specifically. I feel like people are very mild in their opinions of it. Well, you know, let me add something to that. And I mentioned the active, but when we talk about aging, um, everybody has heard that retinoids are the gold standard. You want to use a retinoid for aging. And that's absolutely true. I totally agree with that. I think two of the most important things you can use, and there's a lot of really good technology that we work with, but two of the most important things you can use are retinoids and glycolic acid. But why? So if I take a moment to unpack that, you can understand the days that you're not using it, you're not getting what you need to get. So when we look at aging, we hear constantly that most of what we're going to see in our lifetime was programmed under our skin before the age of 10. It takes 10, 20, 30 years to show up. Mm-hmm. But what does that really mean? Well, your genes are made of DNA, and some of your genes are expressive genes. They express out an information sheet. It's like a blueprint. It's the only thing your body looks at to repair or to operate. If you didn't have that instruction sheet, you would be a puddle of goo on the floor. So your cells, in order for them to differentiate, to do anything, if you had a broken bone, you'd have it forever. So it has to look at this blueprint. Now, when you're born, you're in an anabolic state and that blueprint is perfect. And not only that, you're growing and you're developing. And even though you have environmental issues that you come in contact with and maybe you're getting little scratches on those instructions, you're still doing everything perfectly. Now you reach around the age of 20, you're in a catabolic state. You're starting to slowly decline externally and internally. You start to see these things very slowly. And it's kind of like a computer hard drive. Why is it that it operates for years and then all of a sudden it becomes corrupt? Mm-hmm. What is it exactly that triggered it? Well, we, we don't necessarily know that, but we know that these instructions are compromised and you're not repairing the same way. Now, the reason why a retinoid is so important, and this is not just me saying this, this is over 50 years of medical research. This is a fact. If you use the right retinoid, and I'm not talking about just walking into the drugstore or the department store, but if, for example, our retinoids, if you use the right retinoid, it actually corrects instructions coming from your DNA. You have receptor sites for retinoids in your skin, alpha, beta, gamma. So I could take two twin girls, I could put them on the same skincare program. One uses a retinoid, one doesn't. So they have identical DNA. In 10 years, we'll all look 10 or 15 years younger than the other. So the nights you're not using your retinoid, you're not correcting the instructions coming from your DNA. And also, retinoids are a gold standard for acne. They're gold standard for discoloration. Um, so it's about finding a way to be able to use these things and in, in technologies that aren't going to constantly inflame your skin. Uh-huh. I feel like uh, with the with the retinoid talk, I have yet to find one that works for me so far. I feel like I just have not found one. I feel like every time I do, I don't have a great reaction. And everybody keeps asking me, and they're like, do you use one? And I'm like, I can find one, I think. Because so far, the ones I've, I've found or I've tried have just not, they've not hit for me. They haven't done it. 
Uh, so before I get too tangenty, because I feel like I could talk about retinol for forever. <laughs> jump into myth two. Now, this is one particularly I've always stayed away from personally. I've never trusted it. So I am so excited to hear your ideas on it. Uh, skin slugging is good for skin health. That's the myth. That's what the myth is titled. Skin slugging is good for yeah. skin that's right. Okay. Slugging is not good. So let's, let's talk about what slugging is. So slugging is when you take something like Vaseline and you put it over your face at night. And the idea is that you wake up in the morning, your skin's going to be nice and soft. Now, keep in mind, what is Vaseline? It's a type of mineral oil. How many times in the past, years and for years and years, first of all, mineral oil wasn't just about everything. And then all of a sudden we heard mineral oil was horrible. Well, it's not horrible. But it's also not an ingredient that I would recommend using because it's not going to be particularly efficacious. Um, and, and mineral oil typically, or Vaseline, is typically non-comedogenic, meaning it's not actogenic. However, University of Chicago had a really good study where they found that it can create inflammation in the, uh, in the follicle, which is not technically comedogenic, but it results in acne. How many times do you see people that have like maybe really ruggly hair, unruly hair, and they use sort of Vaseline or pomades around their hairline and in their hair, and they get all this acne around their hairline? I guess I've yeah, got I Yeah, I rest my case. So here's what happens when you slug. First of all, it traps dead cells, it traps debris, and encourages bacteria overgrowth. Um, and it can actually kind of blue down those dead cells. And a lot of times the reason why we think our skin is dry or we think our skin is kind of dull and, and the texture isn't very good, it's because those dead cells are actually piling up on the surface of the skin and they increase and they harden and they it's called increased corneocyte cohesion and they harden and they just look dry. You get rid of the dead cells, it, 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 it completely reorganizes the surface of the skin. It looks very different. And so what you're doing though, you're gluing that down and you're actually making the situation um, worse. And so uh, I just absolutely do not recommend slugging and there's nothing in Vaseline, there's no technology that's really going to address specific issues. Is it really going to help your the, your lines and wrinkles? No. Is it really going to help your acne? Absolutely not. It's going to make it worse. Is it really going to have an effect on discoloration? And people, what they how they need to think in terms of. Okay, let me back up for a second. The average female has over seven hundred dollars in product in their bathroom that they don't use. Now think about. Take all the stuff you've got sitting on your shelf, add it up. Maybe some of you throw it away, but go back and think about it and add it up. That's probably a low number. And so you have to think in terms of what is it that you want to change or improve about your skin. If your number one concern, let's just say brown spots, and then ask yourself again, well, what else would you like to change or improve? And typically you come up with a runway, three or four things. Okay, I have brown spots. Yeah, I wish I had smaller pores. Oh, I have some acne, whatever. Fine lines. If you're not using, you should be, you, every single thing you put on your face, every single thing should be, is this actually have some validation? Is this going to address my concern? Or otherwise, why you use it? And, you know, actual validation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I always say to people, think about how you'd feel about your skin if you're able to address every one of your concerns. Yeah. I feel like for me, like with slugging, I feel like so many people ask my opinion of it because I am a dry skin girly. 
through and through. She's she's there. She's dry. She's I do my best to hydrate her. But I feel like so many people ask me for that. They're like, have you tried this? Does it help with hydration and all that? And to me, it just like screams like the era of all of the social media people or like the skin influencers um, when they're doing their skincare online and they are using like so much more product than is necessary. Like they take their like serum dropper and they like drop one down this cheek, drop one down that cheek, drop it down the forehead, drop it down the chin. And I'm like, you do not need that much serum. But that's, I don't know why. That's what's the slugging. I feel like the slugging kind of came off of a a whole band with like a bandwagon moment of like overusing products. And really, let me just kind of back up a little bit because when we talk about hydration, and this is kind of gets into some of the other myths, but I'm just going to spend a month on hydration. Okay. When you look in the mirror, your stratum corneum is a dead layer. Okay. And that those cells are constantly shedding. Mm-hmm. You shed about 500 million cells a day all over your body. You're just not aware of it. And these cells lay like shingles on a roof. They should be really organized. Okay. They should be, when they're real organized and they're laying flat like shingles on a roof, they reflect light. They look radiant. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in between those cells, you have hygroscopic substances, mucopolysaccharides, ceramides, phospholipids, hyaluronic acid, known as glycosaminoglycans. So substances are what gives the skin, retains water, gives you barrier function. Okay? So if you have a lot of those substances, your skin looks all plump and juicy and, again, radiant mm. and nice and glowing. Now, what happens is, and this starts in your 20s, those cells start to pile up, they become disorganized. There's a medical term, increased corneocyte cohesion. They harden, they cornify. You want a thin, compact stratum corneum. Somebody says, Jan, before I thin my skin, I have to be careful. I say, I hope you'll thin your skin because you want a thin, compact stratum corneum and a real thick dermis. And you've got lots of those substances, but you start losing those substances. You don't produce as many of them. Okay? Okay. Now, putting Vaseline on doesn't increase those substances. I'll tell you two things that do increase those substances. Glycolic salicylic and azelaic acid and BioClear, for example, are BioClear. Retinoids will increase those substances tremendously. Vaseline, all it does is glue down those disorganized cells. It kind of wets them down. And again, you're trapping debris, you're trapping oil, you're really making your skin a lot worse, particularly in the long run. So... That's just kind of a little bit of a tutorial on how you really are able, how you really hydrate your skin. Yeah. You can put things on for barrier function, but you can also use a lot of creams that will do much better than Vaseline, and they're not going to trap the debris. They have technology in them that can really make a difference. I'll give me an example. Transformation cream, which is one of the things that we have in our skincare management system that you use day and night has transferred growth, growth factor beta-1. Dr. Weedo of Jefferson University determined it stimulates a type of collagen you don't produce after the age of 30. He was quoted as saying, this is just a thing to keep the skin young indefinitely. Now, you can't say that about Vaseline. Yeah. Curious, then, what do you feel for... I feel like Vaseline is very commonly and regularly used for, like, lip care. So how do you feel about that? Like, also... Well, you know what? Actually... That's not bad because you don't have oil glands in your lips. Okay. Okay. So occluding them with something that 
keeps moisture from evaporating because your lips tend to be exposed all the time. They dry out. And you know, everybody's always surprised when I say everything you put on your face, you should be rubbing into your lips, your retinoids, your glycolic, your moisture, everything. And they're like, really? Well, why wouldn't you? Huh? Still skin. But one of the things that I tell people, I say, you know, I never have dry lips. It doesn't matter if I'm in 20 degree below zero weather. The reason why is because at night, when I take my lipstick off, I take my washcloth and I scrub the heck out of them. Okay. So that everything, they're perfectly smooth. Everything I put on my face, I put on my lips. Last thing I do before I go to bed is I take something. It doesn't have to be Vaseline, but I take something that can't absorb. Oh. Okay. And I put it over my lips. Now, your significant other might not be that happy about it, but the thing is, when I wake up in the morning, my lips are all nice and plump, and they're not dry. They're never dry. Yeah. It just kind of like sealed all those ingredients. You just put yeah, them there. Exactly. On a totally, totally separate note with skin slugging, this is just like my final thought on it. I think another reason I could never get behind it is like, I feel like Vaseline would not sink into the skin like even sometimes overnight masks like it takes time for them to like sink into your skin and I just can't fathom putting my face on my pillow <laughs> just a big old <laughs> hunk of vaccine on my face yeah it's not made to sink in and so it's made to be a a barrier function product now you can still have barrier function and still have some absorption as well but Vaseline is made so it doesn't it's not ever going to stink in yeah and the, I just feel like my pillow would get so messy. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So we are moving on to uh, the skincare myth number three. Uh, and this one has to do with sun care. This is actually, to be perfectly honest with you, this is something I believed to my core as a teenager growing up. And it's that sun, the sun being out in the sun, all of that helps acne and like tanning. Essentially, it was like, when I was a kid, at least, so you, I was told if you go out in the sun and you go tan, it's going to help improve mm -hmm. acne. So I would love to hear all of the little science behind this one because this is a huge myth, I feel it's like. really, really, I understand perfectly why people think this because the sun will fool you into believing that it's helpful. Now, there's no doubt that the sun makes acne worse, a lot worse. But what happens when you go in the sun is that it, over time, it hardens your stratum corneum. So when you get a tan, you start to tan, and I was a huge sunbather, so I was really good at it. Um, your stratum corneum hardens just enough that it suppresses all that retentive material in the follicle, and it also suppresses oil to some extent. Yeah. So you're still producing oil, you're still making all this retentive material. You're still trapping C. acne bacteria, but it's not making its way to the surface the way that it did before. And so you look at your face and you think, oh, gee, it looks a lot better. Mm -hmm. Now, what happens is summer ends, you go back to school in the fall, and your stratum corneum softens, and all of a sudden you've got this terrible outbreak. It's probably worse than it was, you know, because everything's been, re re you know, suppressed. And so obviously you think, I mean, it's common sense. You think, well, gee, my acne's worse because I'm not in the sun. Your acne's worse because you were in the sun. And what you have to do is you have to treat acne proactively. 
so that those factors are suppressed and you don't break out. After, you know, when you have an acne breakout, that's the end of the process. Everything's already happened. Yeah. And so you can, there's not much you can do at that point. You can put a little ice on it, make it less red. You can put on, you know, um, a little cortisone, uh, things like that. You, it doesn't really do much of anything. You have to proactively prevent the breakout. And if you do that, then it doesn't matter whether you're in the sun or not, you're not going to break out. You're going to have complete total clearing. I I grew up, unfortunately, my high school and early college years were the era of tanning beds. And that's what everyone used to try and clear up their acne tanning beds. They're like, yeah, it just dries it right out. It helps with the pigmentation. And everyone was just like under this like guise that it was like, yeah, no, this this will clear all of your scalp. And you're right. It did look like it. It looks like your skin was getting clearer, but. No, and what happens is, I want everybody to think about this. Now, remember I said that your dermis is 80% collagen. And it's what gives the skin its firm foundation. And when you reach around the age of 20, you start losing about 1% to 2% a year. And then depending on whether you were a smoker in the past, smoker going forward, whether you have, were a sunbather in the past, sunbather going forward, your diet, lifestyle, you can lose a lot more than 2-3%. And by the time you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s, you can lose as much as 70% of your dermis. That looks really bad. Let me just tell you. Now, what that does also is that the more dermis you lose, the more noticeable any scars or imperfections you have. Because how you get rid of a scar or imperfection is by thickening the dermis, either through laser treatments or dermabrasion or things like that. So what you're doing is you are making everything look worse. And again, it's not going to show up for a while. It's not like you go home and two weeks later you go, you look in the mirror and go, oh, gee, I wish I hadn't gone to a tanning bed. Wow, I that number that you just shared was shocking. That actually, like, I know you guys can't see it on the podcast, but my my eyes and my jaw dropped <laughs> at the seventy percent. I was like, yeah. Going into the next myth, uh, so this one I I had not really heard before, but I was really excited about it because I know our audience goes absolutely feral for ingredient knowledge. They lose their minds. We love them for it. So. Uh, <laughs> This one is all about how you, like, there's a myth out there that says you can't use vitamin C and retinoids at the same time. Well, it is a myth and it's not a myth. So I'm going to, I'm going to unpack this one. So most of the time when people think of vitamin C, they think of ascorbic acid. Okay. And the fact is that most patients are instructed if you're going to be using ascorbic acid, use your ascorbic acid in the morning. Use your retinoid at night. Don't use them together. Okay, yeah. Okay? And there's there, there's a reason for that. Now, I'm, you can use vitamin C with a retinoid, but a different vitamin C. So there's a reason for that. First of all, ascorbic acid, number one, is at a pH, in order for it to work as it did in the patents, the original patents were Drs. Meiser and Sininsky, who was dermal pathologist and a geneticist. They proved that it needs to be at a pH of 2.5 or lower. That's a very low pH. About 50% of the population can't tolerate that. And what happens is if you use it at the same time with another something like a retinoid that maybe you have to acclimate to, there's a constant ongoing inflammation. And the two together, you could 
actually have a decrease in collagen. Now, the second thing, which is really goes more to the point, is that there's something called redux. It's, and redux stands for reduction and oxidation. Now, ascorbic acid, number one, is not stable. If you don't believe me, go to an independent chemist. Talk to a university. When you expose it to air, when you expose it to water, when you expose it to oxygen, all the things you have in your bathroom, it begins to break down. Okay? So that's re re that's oxidation. Yes. And it makes it less effective. Reduction is in the presence of certain other things. If you use them at the same time, forget about pH, but if you use ascorbic acid and you use a retinoid at the same time, the ascorbic acid causes reduction. It causes the retinoid to not be effective or much less effective. And it can also have that effect with other maybe topical medications. So you can see why they say don't use them at the same time. Mm -hmm. Now, there was just an article, I think, in Glamour Magazine or mentioned by a physician in Glamour Magazine about our siesta. So it's a well-known fact. Number one, our siesta <clears throat> excuse me, ascorbyl palmitate, which oh, okay. chemically is L-ascorbic acid 6-palmitate. So it's the same as ascorbic acid, except you remove one molecule of water, one molecule of of acid, and you end up with the lipid-soluble form. Now, I could spend an hour talking about how this lipid-soluble form is more effective. There's like 2,000 medical studies, okay? And it's like 30 times more effective at one quarter of the amount, stimulates more collagen, on and on and on. But it's also at a neutral pH, and it's completely stable. And you can use it in the presence of retinoids or any medication, and this is what this physician was saying in this article or in this mention, um, and it, it's, it's a, a very potent anti-inflammatory. Um, so it, you can use them together. You just, it's ascorbic acid that's the issue. Interesting. I do feel like um, oxidation in vitamin C is not discussed nearly enough. I remember when I was first talking to someone about it and they were really breaking it down. And I was thinking about all of the packaging systems I've seen for like vitamin C serums. And one specifically that like got me was it was like a dropper serum. So you like put the dropper in and you press it and it shoots the air into the serum and then it like sucks up the serum. And I was thinking about it and I was like, wouldn't that be terrible for a vitamin C serum? Like why was that the go-to move? But I don't know. I just remember finding it vast fascinating because I feel like that's something like the oxidation of a vitamin C serum and like those elements and stuff, I feel like is not really talked about a whole ton. It's not because there's just a lot of rhetoric and a lot of misinformation out there. Um, you know, the reason why vitamin C was actually studied in the first place by universities is because they found out if you can get vitamin C to absorb into the skin, that... Um, it has an effect on stopping the cascading effect and literally giving the skin virtually almost total sun protection. Now, if you use vitamin C, let's say for three days in a row in these studies, and then you didn't use it for the next three days, you would have, for the next 72 hours, you would have total protection from this cascading effect. Now, you would say to yourself, well, this is amazing. Why didn't they go to the FDA and say, hey, you know, we want to put this in a sunscreen. We're going to use, we're going to get this approved. The reason why is because it's not stable. Now, imagine when you go to the FDA and you have any kind of new drug application, one of the first things you've got to prove is stability. Yeah. 
So, um, you know, when you go down the cosmetic route, you can make all kinds of claims. You can say all kinds of things. They don't have to be true. The FDA is going, the FDA doesn't have anything to do with cosmetics unless you're making a drug claim. So if I held up a glass of water and I said, Maggie, this glass of water will get rid of your lines and wrinkles. The FDA wouldn't care whether it's a bogus claim. They would say to me, Jan, you have to take this off the market and you must go and, and do a new drug application and prove that as a drug, it works because you've made a drug claim. Okay, got yeah, it. I said, if I said, this glass of water will have an amazing effect on the appearance of your lines and wrinkles. Now, that's a stupid statement, but the FDA wouldn't have anything to do with it, even if it's a false. So interesting. Uh, so, okay, moving into our final myth. And this one hits close to home because I feel like even in my adult life, I have been told this a hundred times. If you open TikTok, you will probably scroll at least past one video that says this. It's that drinking lots of water helps to plump, clear, and hydrate the skin. Hydrate specifically, I know I've heard a hundred times. They're like, drink more water and your skin's going to be clear and hydrated. So I, I'm so excited to dive into this myth. This really is a myth. Okay. So first of all, your body in general holds about 62% water, give or take, okay? Now, if you were to carry around a water bottle and you were to drink water all day long, it doesn't mean that suddenly you would be carrying 80% or 90%. You'd look like the Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> Your body, you're, just gonna, you're gonna pee it away. And the water, the water isn't intelligent. It's not saying, okay, we're gonna bypass the heart and the kidneys and stuff. We're just gonna go to the skin. So first of all, again, we talked about this earlier. This dead layer that's in between those cells, those cells that they, they should be real organized, but the dead layer, the mucopolysaccharides and the ceramides, the phospholipids, hyaluronic acid, that's what gives your skin the moisture that holds on to the water. When those decrease, I don't care how much water you drink, you're not going to have nice, plump, moist skin because you don't have those substances in the skin. So you have to increase those substances. And the other thing is about, keep in mind, about drinking a lot of water, and believe me, I'm, you should drink water. It's healthy to drink water. But pockets where you have fat, so for example, cellulite um, yeah. underneath the eyes and things like that, they can hold up to as much as 80% water. Now, do you want 80% water in those areas? Do you want to look like you have little balloons under your eyes or, you know? Okay, so... So, again, it's, you know, how, how many times have people maybe had a meal where they had a lot of liquid, but they also had some salt, and then they wake up in the morning and they say, God, I look a little puffy, okay? So, there, you know, this is an area where it's, it's, a, it's, not, it's not good, it's not bad. There's something in between. You want to drink a lot of water because it's healthy for your kidneys. It's healthy to get rid of waste products, toxins, and things like that. But you really need to have these substances in your skin. And with sun exposure, aging, et cetera, they decrease. And there are ways to increase them, but it's not through water. Yeah. Yeah, just to clarify, we are not saying stop drinking water. That's right. And you know, I'm one of these people, I could definitely stand to drink more water. And 
I'm just, I'm not somebody who just gets thirsty all the time, but I really should drink more water. And so definitely we're saying you want to make sure that you drink plenty of water, but it's not for that reason. I think for me, it's so weird. I feel like when I start, like I, I go through bouts and spurts and all of this stuff. And I feel like there are so many claims out there with water. You need to drink this much. You need to cut your body weight in half. And that's how many ounces you should be having of water a day. And it's dependent on the, and there's just like so many rules out there, but I've always felt like I was, so I'll go through spurts where I'm like drinking a lot of water regularly. Hello to my lovely Stanley cup I've got by my side at all times, but And then I'll go through spurts where like if we were traveling or we had a really busy weekend and we're running around a bunch, I'm not drinking as much water. And I feel like every time I start to drink water a lot again, I get more thirsty throughout the day. And then the times that I stop drinking a lot of water, I don't get as thirsty throughout the day. And I think it's so fast. I don't. That could be a me thing. That could be totally just my body doing its own thing. Like, hey, we liked that water you were giving us, but... Yeah, I always, the, I got thirsty just talking about it. <laughs> uh, so that wraps up kind of the portion where we're diving into five different skincare myths. Uh, I had a lot of fun with that. I love talking skincare myths because I feel like there's so many out there. And it's kind of like what you said at the beginning of the podcast, like social media is taking it to like a borderline terrifying level of just some of the stuff people are just willing to like run with. Like they're just like, sure, I'll try it. And they just go. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said I feel like spa professionals have to deal with that a lot with their clients just trying off the rail stuff like I know some of the other ones that we didn't even dive into and some that I've personally fallen victim to is like toothpaste on a zit or I remember there was like one when I was growing up and it was like liquid Advil like you cut the liquid Advil pill and you put that substance on your pimple to clear it it, actually help. it helps it's an anti-inflammatory so it helps with the redness. It helps take down the swelling. I don't know if I did it wrong or something, but I burned my skin somehow. I, I, ibuprofen is better. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. But I mean, so- and even but I mean, it's just it's very it's 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 subtle. It's not gonna make your sick yeah. go. Well, and again, at that point with the acne, it's kind of like um, it's running its course. You know what I mean? Like it's not like I feel like most of the acne treatment it's happens the, the end. Right. It's the end of the process. And, you know, it's it's done. It's gone through its whole thing. The follicle is ruptured. The inflammatory process has gone to the surface. You have a papule, pustule, nodule, or medesis, and it's done. Yeah. Um, so talking about all of these crazy hacks, old wives' tales, all these things that, like, lead to these skincare myths and stuff, how would you say that like how what are your tips for helping spa professionals kind of navigate talking to clients and educating clients about the myths or you know if they have a client that's like trying all these crazy things like what kind of are your top tips would you say and like just navigating that area with your clients no so maggie um i'm going to kind of approach it from from this way and i think that uh first of all anytime you have a conversation with somebody, that's the hardest thing is to open that conversation. What is it that you say to start talking about product? Because the minute you start talking about product, people get defensive. And you know, one of the ways that you, if you were in a retail situation, you'd say, oh, it's too expensive. If you're in a skincare situation, well, no, I use such and such. And I, I go on the internet and they told me to do whatever. I mean, it's a way of shutting down the conversation. So you you have to 
avoid things that are going to shut down the conversation and, and create tension. And this is why a lot of times if somebody owns a spa, a Medispa or a spa, they say, gee, I just, the worst thing I have is, is the most biggest challenge I have is getting people to start that conversation, have that conversation with every single person. So how do you start that? Um, and the, the way that you start it, and I constantly talk about this, and this is the question that I ask. I could be talking to a world-famous celebrity. I could be talking to the most famous doctor in the world. And the question I'm going to ask is, if there was something you could change or improve about your skin, what would it be? So let's just cut through everything else. All I want to know is, what do you want to change or improve? And as I said earlier, somebody might say, well, you know, I have acne. Okay. Well, what else would you like to change or improve? Well, I have some discoloration. I have large pores. I wish I, you know, fine lines, whatever. That's the runway. That's what you're going to focus on. Yeah. And you know what that does? That avoids the conversation of, oh, you know, well, what don't you like about your products? Well, I, I love my products. I buy them at Target. They have a cosmeceutical section. I think they're less and I think they work. Oh, what um, would what, you like to change about products? I don't think I want to change anything. You know, if your products are working for you, you wouldn't have answered the question. You wouldn't have said, well, I have some acne, I have some whatever. So we don't even have that conversation. And it's about going through a methodical consultation that's not about product, but it's about solutions. You know what I always say? I don't want another product. I want a solution. Oh, I like that. You know what? I don't want adult acne. I don't want discoloration. I don't want um, to have rosacea. I'd like to keep fine lines and wrinkles away as long as I possibly can. I've done a fairly good job. I'm going to be 71 in December. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding? You look fantastic. Well, thank you. But And I work at it. But the, the thing is, is I don't want another product. I want a solution. And solutions are sticky. If you're a spa owner, you know, I can, Mac, I could give you a moisturizer and you could use it. You could say, oh, this is a really nice moisturizer. And then you run out of it and I give you another moisturizer. You go, oh, this one's good too. But if I get complete total clear with your acne, if you stop using those products, your acne is going to come back. If I can resolve your discoloration with, there's no cure for discoloration. You stop doing that. I can't change your genetics. Your discoloration is going to come back. If I can resolve or I can manage your acne, or excuse me, your rosacea, these are things that are sticky. These are things that we're going to do all the time because we want our skin to look as perfected as possible. And so that's really what these professionals need to focus on. Now that's you know, with that said, doesn't mean that somebody's not going to come up with some crazy questions or something like that. Yeah. But you want to really focus on the solutions. If if all if all these myths on the internet worked, these people wouldn't be at working with a professional trying to address their acne or trying to address their you know large pores or whatever. True, definitely true. I know. Um... On our site, we do polls just to get, you know, some insights from our readers and stuff. And I think it was in the 60s. It was 60 something percent did say they have clients that come in asking about like trending treatments or like mm -hmm. skincare trends and like asking about them and stuff. So I always like to try and and provide some kind of feedback on like how to keep your clients educated on what what may work or may not work. I feel like a lot of people tend to not want to seem negative in the space. So it's like 
they want to shut it down without being like, don't do that. Well, that's true. And you know, the way that I work with it is the first thing we want to do is we want to address the most prominent concern. In other words, if you've got some acne and um, we can get you completely clear, we can manage it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you're not going to say, well, what can I do around my eye area? And what can I do about this? Or what can I do about that? I mean, it's nobody ever has really just one concern. Yeah. And there are things. There are constantly, as a product researcher, um, I'm constantly working on and constantly coming across, I mean, cutting edge technologies. And you can keep taking it. I always say to somebody, you know, you may tell me a month from now your skin is the best it's ever been. And I can get it a whole lot better than I can. Because there are objective things that you can do with the basic system that takes you to a higher and higher level of skin rejuvenation. Like, you know, and some of the things we work with sound like science fiction. Um, our age intervention regeneration booster works with telomeres and telomerase enzyme. And uh, that was the uh, basis of this Nobel Scientific Prize a number of years ago on aging and longevity as, re- as it relates to aging and longevity by three different scientists. Telomeres come up the end cap of your DNA. They look like shoelaces. And the telomerase enzyme is the end of that shoelace. It looks like it looks like uh, the, the hard part of a, a shoelace has a lot of genetic material and chromosomal material. Thing is, though, is the telomeres are like the granddaddy control panel. They 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 trump peptides and they trump growth factors because every cell has one. And as you age, it gets shorter and shorter. And when it gets really short, Maggie, you die because you you lose the ability to repair, you lose your immune function. Oh, God. So this focus on on how you lengthen these telomeres. And what Booster does, is Booster has something you call cyclostrogenol, um, among a, a bunch of other things that are in there. But what it does, it's been shown to boost certain CD, I think CD4, CD5 cells, and it actually is believed to be able to give a little lengthening to that telomere. Wow. And it's kind of like turning back the skin's aging clock now. It doesn't replace a retinoid, but you keep adding these things. You kind of keep stacking them. And it's really absolutely amazing what you can do to perfect the skin in terms of, again, whether acne and rosacea and aging and all these different things. And we're finding more and more out all the time. So I think it's a legitimate question. And I think skincare professionals just need to work with sources that really have validation. For example, we have five studies that have been published in a peer-reviewed medical journal. Yeah. You can't get into a peer-reviewed medical journal. It can take months. It can take years. It has to be validated and it has to be a significant um, uh, uh, interest to the medical community. We have white papers. We have actual studies and things. Because, again, goodness gracious, there's so much rhetoric in this industry and it, nobody ever tells you they have the second best product. Yeah. I'd love it if I walked in and said, you know, we have a really good product, but Jamarini has the best product. We have the best product. Does it work that way? Unfortunately. Yeah. Everybody's got the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, but okay, so we are going to jump into game time. I'm excited. Okay, so I always like to end the podcast with a little game. I think they're fun. I think it's kind of a fun way to kind of wrap up the theme, the concept, the stuff we've been talking about. So today's game we played once before on the podcast. It's called Hindsight 2020. And this is just a really, since we kind of talked about skincare myths, and I know I already brought this up a couple of times, but some of these myths are ones that I grew up with. Some of them are ones that I've tried while I was growing up. Um, <laughs> it so it's always kind of 
fun, I think, to look back now, being in the industry for five years, having a much better understanding of how things work. And I feel like, especially for, you know, people like yourself that have been in it for not only years, but you're you're very much into the science and the ingredients aspect of it. Estheticians are very much into the science, ingredients, all that jazz. So I just think hindsight 2020 is a really fun game to just kind of be like, I wish I knew that, you know, <laughs> prior. I wish I knew that when I was younger. Uh, so I will let you kick it off if you want. Otherwise, I've got like a plethora of examples of my hindsight 2020. Well, okay. I wish that as a teenager up until about the age of 24, I hadn't sunbathed and thought that I was really doing something for my skin by using baby oil and coconut butter. And that I hadn't started off every single summer. I was born and raised in San Diego. So I'd spent a lot of time on the beach. I hadn't started off every summer with purposely getting a really good burn because that would turn it into my base coat. I wish I hadn't done that. I really, really wish I hadn't done that. But you know, the good news is is that you can reverse a lot of that damage. So, but I had wish I hadn't. I was gonna ask if you were like a tanning oil, just just lay out and bake in the sun. Cocoa kind butter of and cocoa butter also is very comedogenic. It's very acneogenic, so that didn't help any. Didn't help things yeah, either. I could see that wasn't wasn't super helpful with it. Um, no, that's a good one. I feel like that's definitely like a top hindsight twenty twenty for a lot of people. I think what's so interesting when it comes to like sun care, I feel like people very much start to talk about like, hey, it can cause cancer, like it can kill you. This is not what we should be doing. And everyone was like, eh, I like to be tan. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Everyone was like, I like to be tan. And then they were like, oh, well, it can also cause wrinkles. And everyone was like, hold up. Yeah. You said this thing is aging me and everybody started listening. And it was like the funniest thing in the world to me. Um, I know it's true. It, I feel like it is like as bad as it is. It was kind of like people were more willing to train, like trade one vein aspect over the other vein aspect. They're like, okay, I'll give up being tan if it means I don't look old instead of like, yeah, you can't imagine that, you know, somehow you're going to get cancer or something like that. Yeah, um, it doesn't quite compute. But when you look around and you see other people with lines and wrinkles, that becomes more more real. Yeah, the the whole not that I say that you should call people this, but the kind of the whole like I remember growing up, it was the everyone would say like you look like a leather chair. <laughs> uh, not that I condone mean names or bullying but i remember that was that was the thing that started to kick people into gear of stopping tanning mm -hmm. um i think one of my hindsight 2020s and you actually started to dive into it and i wish i knew this because i feel like there's when there are problems on the skin obviously you know there's it's a really big place of insecurity it's really hard for people and i think Something I, I kind of wish I knew when I was younger, because I feel like it's like the moment things start to look better on your skin, you almost stop the things you were doing. You're like, oh, good. It's fixed. And I feel yes. like you kind of got into this, you want a solution and a solution is not a cure and they're not the same. That is so true. It's, it, you know, and, and, and there's a, all that prevailing notion with whether well, it's acne or discoloration or whatever. It's not like, oh, my acne went away. Your acne can go in remission. And it might be in remission. Maybe you were a teenager and you had a little acne and then it got better. And then all of a sudden you're 25 or 30 and 
you can't believe it. It's like you have worse acne than you had as a teenager. Oh, gosh, yeah. And then it goes away, and then you get it again at menopause or whatever, or it, does, it never goes away. So there isn't a cure, but it can go to remission. Even Accutane is not a cure. Yeah. As much as, much as it's kind of pushed to be one. Yeah. And I mean, it. and actually doctors have always talked about it, uh, or they should talk about it, but for the most part, they have talked about it as going into remission. And there are statistics about, you know, that maybe a lot of times your acne, maybe um, it starts to come back, but it's better than it was before. Maybe it's not cystic, but you still break out, but you still have acne. Yeah. So no cure, but we can manage it. Um, I'll tell you something. Okay. I wish that I had met my husband sooner. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That is really cute. I am hindsight twenty twenty. I love that one. Usually, my skincare absolutely obsessed with my husband. We're, we're I think we've been together now twenty six years, and I'm just madly in love with him. And I think every day, I wish I had met him sooner. Okay, that blew mine out of well. Mine are all skincare focused. That one was so good. <laughs> um. Okay, let me think. I have I have so many. I just have to think of which one. The solution versus cure one like took all of my mental energy because I was like, oh, that's what I really wish I knew. But I think a big one I wish I knew in hindsight was um, I used to just like regularly over exfoliate, like aggressively and regular. And it was always physical. Like I didn't learn about like enzymatic or chemical exfoliation until I was in my good well into my adulthood post-college and it was always physical exfoliants they were always so great I mean I was like in the era of the apricot skin scrub so oh my god St. Ives skin scrub St. Ives apricot skin scrub oh let me tell you we all we all went through that we all did that because we just didn't have First of all, it feels so good, and we didn't have the knowledge that even the smallest polished granules can create microscopic tears of the skin. It exacerbates acne. It actually can exacerbate aging, creates inflammation. We just don't necessarily see it. But we just didn't know that. Yeah. So I think that would be mine, like the aggressive over. So like I feel like I, again, you know, growing up, I was very much under the guise of if it burns a little, if it's stinging, it's working. And I wish that I knew that that's not how that works. Okay. Um, I wish that I had been kinder to myself. Same. I I love that one because absolutely the same. And it doesn't mean that I, I wish that I wasn't as aggressive or as goal-oriented, but it's just that sometimes, you know, you're so focused on getting to the next goal and you have so many responsibilities that you don't necessarily celebrate or or make a point of, of emphasizing with yourself what you've accomplished. Yeah. And- hard it was and how difficult it was and you know to take a moment to stand back and say hey you know you did something that was really pretty amazing no it's so true I feel like our like society kind of has a chronic illness of I don't know if I want to call it an illness but 
they're just chronically like what's next like Mm -hmm. that's like the next like even I would say even just in like societal expectations like you're in a serious relationship all right well then marriage and then you're married and then they're like all right well then babies like you have to make family now and I feel like there's just it's I remember someone told me that in my adulthood is like we live in a society where they don't let you celebrate the state you're in they only want you to focus on the state you're going to be in you're only going to continue to like and I'm all for having exciting things on the horizons and planning exciting stuff for yourself but I agree with you 100% I feel like it's very hard sometimes to like remind yourself to enjoy where you're at what you've accomplished and a little while ago there was a trend on social media and I remember when I first saw it I was just like holy cow I have never thought about that and they were like think about like you five years ago think about you 10 years ago think about the person who used to dream of where you are now and how they never thought that they would be there and now you're there and they're like so instead of focusing on where you wish you were think about how excited like younger you would be and how blown away that they would be that you're even where you are now yeah I think that's that's really that's really good advice and Another thing, this is actually, this is a piece of advice, but it was advice that I wish that I had had emphasized to me more um, years ago. And that is, you know, no one can do it for you. Nobody gets you out of bed in the morning. Nobody says, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to go and show up for you today and you just watch TV all day. No one takes the responsibility. No one does all the things that you do, all the challenges, all of the, the the unpredictable things that happen. No one can do it for you, but you don't have to do it alone. Yeah. And I always, you know, when I think back and I think I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have all the people that were there along the way, whether it is a reseller, whether it is all the individuals that have made the company what it is today, all of that, I didn't have to do it alone. But you know, you, when you're at the time that it's happening and years ago, you're thinking about it, you go, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm having to do this all by myself. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to. Love that. I feel like I kind of want to end the episode on that. It's just like such feel good vibes. I feel like that's <laughs> going on. I don't want to like disturb it. I like it. Well, thank you. No, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for sharing all your insights. They have like, I learned so much in this that I, and you really just dove right into the science, which I love. I love Turner Dow. I know our audience does too. So really, honestly, deeply, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was so pleasure. This has been so much fun. And, you know, gosh, I'd love to do it again sometime. I mean, my goodness, there are infinite numbers of infinite things you can talk about with regard to skin. So it's been just a real pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. Well, so that wraps up this episode, guys. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to just remind you, this is my time for all the shameless plugging. I do it at the end. But we do release episodes every the first and third Thursday of every month. If there's ever three kind of Thursdays where it might fall into place of happening, um, we do try to give out bonus ones too, but we are regularly scheduled the first and third Thursday of every month. So make sure to tune in to the Sounds Like Spot podcast. You can find us on Spotify and Amazon Music. So check us all out. We will have a question and a poll if you're listening on Spotify. So also make sure to go answer those. 
But thanks, SD Besties. We will tune in next time. Bye, guys.